thought this morning I'd start by just reading some scripture. I was uh, listening to something this week, and uh, actually the guy uh, went for 15 minutes quoting scripture, and it was powerful. Like it was, it was just listening to this guy because it was more than just reciting some words. It was a part of him that came out. Like it, he'd he'd meditated on so much that it just it just had life in it. And so this morning I just thought I'd, I'm going to read a little bit. Okay, so you can get your Bible out if you want, but I think it's up on the screen. I think we're ready to go on the screen. And so uh, just get thinking. And, and look for something that jumps out to you. Whenever I do my Bible readings, I often, just to make, so, make it so that I look for something, I have a challenge that I'm going to write one scripture down. So what it does is while I'm reading it, I'm not just reading it to go, I've done my read. I'm reading it to look for something. And, and when you read looking for something, it, it just puts you a little bit more into it because you're trying to find And then suddenly things start jumping out. And then you've got the problem where you're going, Oh, it's all good. I should write it all down. Memorize it all. Okay, so let's start with uh, Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 5. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Oh, that's what I prayed. God loved us. And chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. We are family. I don't know whether to sing that or not. I don't know whether I've got the right note. And it's always embarrassing if you get the right no- wrong note, isn't it? We are family. Our God Almighty. Yeah, see, I don't know the words properly. <laughs> That's one of my problems is I don't always know all the words. And so I make them up and that makes everybody unhappy. <clears throat> We're family. Adopted. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own. It's his family. So cool. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Amen. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. God loves it that we're family. That you're in his family. It's pleasing to him. Isn't that a good thing? Okay, John 13, verses 31. As soon as Judas left the room. Okay, context, because it always helps to have a little bit of context. This is the Last Supper. Okay, and Jesus has just sort of had his sort of interaction with Judas, and Judas has left, and he's just talking to his disciples. Uh, So he's under a bit of pressure. This is his last sort of... Hurrah with them. Uh, you know, we, we, we think about this, the Last Supper, every time we do communion, you're thinking, man, this is, this is a big part of what Jesus had to say. And this is what he said to his disciples. The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. Uh, one of the things that... Uh, over the last few, I don't know, about three or four months, every time I read the Bible, I've often seen lots of things about Jesus glorified the Father. And it started me thinking, do I, does my life glorify the Father? So does everything I do reflect and make people excited about God? 
God will be glorified because of him. And we understand that with Jesus, but could you put your name in there? God will be glorified because of Ellen. Well, God will be glorified because of your life. Does your life glorify God? Does your whole life glorify God? I know about you, that's a big challenge. Good challenge, though. Good challenge. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, oh, there's another family thing, children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That is cool. That is big. And we've got a series starting. Well, I'm just sort of doing a little bit of a prelim. I got too excited and I thought, it doesn't start till November, but I'm preaching today, so... I can do what I like. And so we're just doing a little bit, of, little bit about loving. Love God. Love people. And people will know you're a Christian by the way you love each other. This isn't even talking about people who aren't saved. This is talking about how much we love in the room here. My dad always likes to interact and he says, you've gone quiet. Does God or do people look at us as Christians and the thing that gets them going is that we love each other? Man. You know, before we start trying to tell everybody else what to do, I think we've got a little bit of work to do on ourselves, haven't we? How much do you love the person next to you? I don't even know the person next to me. How can I love them? I don't even know them. And now you've made it really weird. I've come to church and I... But some guy's lights lit up when when I said that. (laughs) Love. You love, your love for one another will prove. Proof. Anyone want to know proof about God? We talk about all the things that we need to do to show people and teach people that, you know, Jesus is real and God's real. And here's number number one thing that will prove to people is how much you love or how much we love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're one of my disciples. And so we can't sort of stop there talking about love without going to 1 Corinthians 13, and I thought I'd read the whole thing. Uh, And I just want to move you a little bit because um, I've done a few weddings in my time, and this scripture's spoken a lot of weddings, and I think what that does is it makes us think the context is wedding, family, it's, it's marriage context. But I want you to think of this in the context of us here, because I think that changes the way you look at it. Yeah. 
Okay, so verse 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. If I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, that'd be great. And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had faith that could move mountains, so I know things, I have knowledge, I have faith, and I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Zip. Nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. Like That's huge, isn't it? Verse 6, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. Even the gift of prophecy reveals only a part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. Oh, that's quite cool, isn't it? God knows you completely. And it's not, he's not phased by that. He knows you completely. What? That's mind-boggling. Knows you completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Uh, for our church, uh, if you're just visiting or, or you're new or, or something, uh, we're, we're on what I've called Transition Road. And uh, I did a, a picture that I put up a couple of weeks ago uh, that came out of a, uh, a word that we have. I think I've got it there. Yeah, look at that. That's my artistic ability. <laughs> Should have just done a couple of stick people because I like I can do stick people. Um, and so this is just where we are as a church. We're on this thing called transition or transition road. We're in the dot, dot, dot phase. And, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that Pastor Lucas said to me when he gave us this word on the 7th of the 5th, 2023, was everything changes. Everything's up for change. And, and, you know, that's a really cool thing to say, but that's a huge thing to think about. Well, what changes? And of course, some people get really nervous. Some people get really excited because they go, man, it's about time we had some change. <laughs> and then other people are all scared because, ooh, what's going to happen if we change? 
what do we mean? What does it mean? And so just relax. It's, it's going to be good change. We're on a journey of change. And look, part of it for me was that uh, I, I suppose what's been the biggest thing for me is that I just felt in that word as it started with me. And, it, and when I mean it started with me, it meant I've got to change. Now, look, I can tell you really, really, it's like really easily that it's easy for me to tell you to change. <laughs> like, like, honestly, that's really easy. You need to change. But, ooh, for me to change, that's a challenge. How many people like changing themselves? How many people know that they need to change? How many people think that they don't need to change? Mark, there, there wasn't a good... There wasn't a good. <laughs> Shall I ask Philippa? <laughs> no, okay, okay. We need to change. We all need to change. And it all starts with me. It all starts with you changing. You know, just, just think about even just talking about love. If we just all changed and loved each other a little bit more, that would be radical. Like, radical. That would be life-changing. Uh, what I said also, I'm just sort of giving you a fill in a couple of weeks ago, is everything's broken. You know? Uh, people are broken. I'm broken. I've got some broken bits. We've been broken by life, been hurt, been let down, done some silly things. Some of us have done more silly things than others. Families are broken. It's broken. Broken churches. I find that fascinating because I think sometimes we think the church is going to be perfect, but the church is all full of broken people. And I, I, it used to perplex me because, you know, we all know that Jesus come, is coming back for a bride that is perfect. I was thinking, does Jesus not go to our church? <laughs> like, the bride is not perfect, is it? The only thing that makes the bride perfect is Jesus. The bride was perfect because of Jesus. You and I are perfect not because of how we live in our actions. It's because Jesus has forgiven us and cleansed us. And that's huge. The church is broken. Our city's a little bit broken. How many people think that if they got on the council, they could change some things and make it better? If you stand, I'll vote for you. <laughs> the country's a little bit broken, except in our rugby. But we might be broken next week, eh? Mm. Countries and the world are broken. Like, but Jesus is the healer. Jesus brought healing everywhere he went. He brought life. He brought love. He fixed everything. And you and I are Jesus to the world. So we're going to change the world. Jesus came to fix the brokenhearted. That was his whole point. 
He lived his life loving people and change, bringing change. And I know about you, it's exciting. How many people would love to, love it if Jesus came and lived right now and we could see what he would do? It'd be quite, quite mind-boggling, isn't it? But he's not going to do it. Because he sent you, your Jesus, to this generation. So we're, in a, church, we're a church that's transitioning. What are we transitioning to? That's a good question, isn't it? And I know we've got up there the seven, for those who don't know, the seven triangle is that they talked about seven mountains. I could do a bicycle wheel too because uh, when we had uh, Vicky, she talked about a bicycle wheel and seven spokes. But before we get to the seven, I think we've got to have some things that we transition towards. And although I only see a little glimpse, I've only got a little bit, like I read in, in Corinthians there, we sort of see in part, that's what we're doing. We're sort of going, this is where we're going, and everybody's got a piece. Some of you have got 100 pieces, 200 pieces. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, we're doing a was jig. <laughs> a was jig. And Jesus is the only one that's at the end, and he can see the picture, and he's helping us put the picture together. And one of the main things that I keep coming back to is that I feel as a church we're transitioning to be a family that loves each other. If the number one thing that I put in there is that if we can be a family that loves God and loves people, like we don't have to worry about anything else if we love God and we love people. Love listens. Love discerns. Love is the highest goal. Love fights for each other. Love's a good thing. Family's a good thing. I like family. And uh, the more I've thought about it, I've come to the conclusion that without realizing it, I've always seen church as my family. It's not a building. I like the building. But I know that a building doesn't make a family. We lost our home when we, uh, we had four kids, did a business thing, lost our home, and moved around the, house, around the corner, and we ended up renting a house. And I remember a month later looking and going, what's changed? Yeah, I didn't have an asset there. In fact, I think we were negative. But Eleanor still loved me. That's good. Got to be careful what I say today because she's right here in front, don't I? <laughs> My kids are all all right. Our family was fine. Because family's not a building. Yeah. Building's helpful. How many people live in a house? <laughs> it's good to have, isn't it? Yeah. But it doesn't make your family. It can make things easier. But sometimes with a mortgage, it makes things harder. It's not just an organization. It's not a business. It's a family. Church is a family. I don't come to church because I have to come. I come because I like to see my family. You know, when I go, uh, when Eleanor and I go somewhere, if we're going somewhere near where our family is, We'll visit them. 
So if we're going past Hamilton at the moment, Sarah, our daughter lives over there, we go visit her. But you know, if she's not available or she's somewhere else, I'll ring Raki and Karen and say, oh, can we come and visit you? Because Raki and Karen are my friends. They're my family, just as much as Sarah is my family. When I go to Auckland, I always try and think, who could I go visit? Yeah, I go visit my son. That's cool. But I ring up. I ring up Pastor Luca, which I did last Friday. Pastor Luca, oh, where are you? You know, I have rung him, and he's gone, I'm in Indonesia. Oh, well, I can't, can't visit you there. He was busy. So, so then I ring up, oh, Pastor Dean. Oh, no, Pastor Dean, he's, he's overseas too. I think he was doing some, a missionary trip in Cambodia. And so then I think, who else could I ring? Oh, Pastor Trent. Ring up Trent. Do you want to give a coffee? Yes. Why do I want to have a coffee with him? Because he's family. Anybody that's saved is part of my family. I've got a huge family. Yeah. I know lots of people. All around the world, because I've got family. I can go stay with them. Got family. Church is family. The church across the road is family. Scott and Sue. Sue used to be in our youth group. She's part of family. I love Scott. Pastor Scott. He's awesome. I think we've got to have this change. David's been waiting, Dave Mann's been waiting for us to see the big church is all our family. I actually don't care which church you go to in Tauranga, as long as you go to a church and become part of a family. Now, if you mix around and you don't get committed in there, it doesn't become family. Family is a big thing. And that's how the world will know that we love one another, is that we do family together. You know, uh, change point. Pastor David and Linda Dishroon sort of handed their church to Pastor Johnny and Donna Boom. I used to work with them. Johnny was one of my groomsmen. They're family. They're part of the family. How many people have got family that are in another church in this city? They're family. We better be careful what we say about our family. Don't you say anything about my family. Pastor Craig and uh, Michaela. I used to play rugby with Craig. He was a hard man. I was glad I was on his side. (laughs) Mate, he was a hardened forward. I was a sort of a little back. We're family. And it goes right through. We're family. We've got to love each other more. We've got to love each other. So how do you know that we're family? Well, we all look alike. And how do we look alike? We love people. We just absolutely love people. You know, over the years I've been in churches and, and we've tried to foster that love thing. And I don't know if you remember a few years back, we're talking, a, you know, like when I was, it must be about 30, 35 years ago, we used to sing a church song to help us express our love to each other. How many people remember the song? How many people are a bit unsure? When I was 
I was at university. I went to what was Hamilton Assembly of God. And every now and again, we'd stand up and the pastor would say, we're going to sing, I love you with the love of the Lord. And my dad used to do it here, I think, too, as well. And we'd all stand up and then he'd go, hold hands with the person next to you. (laughs) And you're freaking out. Now, Now, sometimes, sometimes the person beside you was your best mate. You're thinking... Oh, I'm not sure about this holding hands. Sometimes it was a real cute girl and you were really excited you get to hold it. And some of the boys would fit, switch faces real quick. <laughs> but then it'd get worse. He'd say, we're going to sing, I love you with the love of the Lord. And as we do it, I want you to look into the eyes <laughs> of the person next to you and sing them a song. I love you with the love. I should do it. I should do it. (laughs) Victor to Victor. We should all do it. No. No. How many people remember that? And you all did it, didn't you? I know what they were trying to do. (laughs) Like, it's kind of strange now that I look back at it. And what happened to that person that was the first time they ever came into church and they was by somebody and they just started, I love you. Oh, my goodness. No wonder some people never, ever came back to church. What were they trying to do? They wanted people to love. And I know that for some people that actually was something where they met somebody or they chatted to somebody and they felt that love. Why do we do a friendship break here? Because I want you to love each other. I can't make you. You know, it's not, you know. But we've got it. If you love someone, you talk to them. If I stop talking to Eleanor, I'm in trouble. (laughs) The silent treatment. No, I talk to her because I love her. I know about you. I like this. uh, This this changes the way you do life. This I come to church because I love the people at church. I don't want to miss out seeing them. Who cares about the rugby? I really don't care. I love people. Do you know that some people, this is the only place they're ever going to find love? It's got to be a family. So in some ways, we have to step up. You know, I think at times, and this is the problem with talking with something like this is that everyone will point the finger and say, yeah, the church needs to love people. And, and if you do that, you've missed the whole point. It all starts with me. The church isn't full of love because I haven't loved. It's me goes first. It's you goes first. Stop looking at everybody else and saying they don't love enough. And start loving more. I'm in a thing called B&I, which is a business thing. And the motto of that is givers gain. Givers gain. The whole point of it is to give business to 
to other people. It's not about yourself. It's give, it's game. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a, that's a biblical principle. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And when you give, it'll be pressed down and shaken and running all over. I feel absolutely loved in church. But I only reckon it's because I've loved the church. I've loved the people in the church. I, we say some funny things. Well, we were talking about it the other day. The church hurt me. Uh, no, no, not the church. People. Ah, people hurt you. Ah, that's it. We need to love more. The more you love, the more you'll gain. Jesus is the example of that. How could you love some more people? I've got lots more here that I haven't even got to. But we just need to love more. God's our father. Jesus is our brother. You're my brother. You're my sister. It's family. Some of you are like uncles to me. I only had one uncle that I really met. Oh, two that I really met. I've met more uncles in the church than I've met anywhere else. I've had more people look out for me. I've had more people be, I've got a great father, but more people have fathered me. I've got more kids. Heaps of kids. I get excited about kids. Haven't got my own grandkids yet, so I'm going to adopt yours. (laughs) But that's what the family's about. Our Father, who art in heaven. It all starts with him being our Father because we're family. I want a family that bears one another's burdens. Musicians, you can come. I want to be in a family that has unity and diversity. I want to be in a family that has spiritual growth and looks after and disciples and helps each other to grow. I want to be in a family that encourages people. I want to be in a family that celebrates. I want to be in a church that's like a family. A new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. It's a must. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I just pray you'd right now just help us to love like you do. Holy Spirit, I just invite you right now to just come where some people are so hurt that even the thought of love just just frightens them. Just while everyone's got their eyes closed, I just, I do apologize if the church has hurt you, if people in the church have hurt you. Maybe it was a pastor, a leader, and I apologize. It's not the way God wants it to be. 
And I ask that you forgive. Forgive the Christian that's hurt you. Brother, the sister that's done something to you. Even right now, just ask, Holy Spirit, help me. Lord, I pray you'd fill us with your love. More of your love. Thank you, Jesus. I just want you just to think of how you could love better. What's your barrier that stops you from loving more? Is it control? Is it selfishness? to be patient with each other. We'll be kind in our words. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Lord, I pray you'd help us to walk humbly. Lord, I pray we wouldn't be rude to each other. We'd be respectful to one another. I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, some of you need to just stop bickering over stupid little things might even be for someone's marriage. Stop fighting about silly little things. Love, it's not irritable. Some of you need to get more sleep so you're not irritable. Keeps no record of being wronged. That's huge. Lord, I pray you'd help us to swipe wipe the slate of all the areas where we've been wronged. Help us to forgive like you forgave us. Help us, Lord. Does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. This may be hard, but I I feel that some, you've had a fight with a Christian brother or a Christian sister. They may not even be in this church. And you've given up on the friendship. You've given up on them. And I just feel you need to repair it. And that might involve saying, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Powerful words. Lord, I pray you give us the courage. Lord, to go back repair where we can you can't guarantee their response but you can do your bit love never gives up, never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance Father I pray you'd help us to have love like you how about we stand we're just going to sing a song one of those songs we sung I just want you to worship 
How can you love God who you can't see if you can't love the brother or the sister you can see? Holy Spirit, let's sing it.